You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Today, women-only spaces are highly controversial. Thanks to gender identity legislation, female-only has become practically obsolete. When Saul Grover set out to create a female-only social network and app, she was trying to help, offering women a space where they didn't have to deal with the predatory, sexist, or harassing behavior of men. She had no idea that such an endeavor would make her a target. I spoke with the founder and CEO of Giggle recently about her experience trying to get the app off the ground and about the case brought against her after receiving a complaint lodged against her by a trans activist named Roxy Tickle with regard to a tweet exchange between Saul and Roxy about the McIver's ladies' baths in Sydney and about the fact that Roxy was kicked off of Giggle after breaking the rules on sex to gain access to the app. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. I'm really excited that we have finally been able to connect. Um, I've been following you for some time now, and I think you're great. And I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't been able to talk yet, but I know we're both super busy, so it's been hard. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, how are you doing over there, by the way? I think you, oh. you have some some big changes in your life recently and uh, a lot more going on. Yes, I had a really, really cute little baby who last night slept from 7.30 till 6.15, so I can't I can't fault her. We like her. She can stay. Wow. She's the cutest, most well-behaved little thing ever. Like, she's not difficult. She's just sort of, like, fitted into our life and just does what we do. Like, yeah, she's really she's super easy. I'm like, is it like a collective lie that this is really hard? And I'm, like, spoiling it for everybody. But, no, she's just a really easy, nice baby. She's probably going to be a nightmare teenager. I have to see it. <laughs> I have this fear that I'm going to raise like this, like she'll just rebel from me. And so she's going to be like this little handmaiden or something. Yeah. I I think a lot of people have that fear. I feel like if I had a a child, I would have that fear also that, I don't know, she would, yeah, turn out to be some kind of like woke trans (laughs) activist who hates freedom and (laughs) thinks I'm a horrible bigot (laughs) or like you know like you know that thing that's emerging apparently there's that subculture of like the trad wives yeah of like these traditional 1950s housewives women and like that's what she'll that's what she'll say she'll want to be um yeah, well, I mean, I she, bet she'll turn out great. She sounds good so far, in any case. She, yeah, no, but I mean, even like if that was the way she was going to go, I mean, she can go through that phase. I'll just sit there and wait for her to come back and say, Mom, you were right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, so, uh, and you had another, I what I imagine to be pretty stressful experience this year. Um, mm. And... And that was surrounding, I mean, this sounds like, almost like a joke, but the giggle versus tickle case. Um, (laughs) And 
<laughs> okay, yeah. so it's tickle versus giggle, but not only that, it was like like my last name's Grover, and so it was like there's that like Grover versus like tickle me Elmo. Like there was just so much absurdity in it that it like it looked seemed like a pantomime. Like you couldn't like you couldn't make it any more stupid than what it was. But yeah, basically a trans identified man, man, um, try, uh, did a human Australian human rights complaint against me. Um, for gender identity discrimination because he was blocked from using an app for women. That's very clear that it's for women. Okay. And, and let's, let's talk about that app. Um, I think that I came to know who you were because you created and launched an app called Giggle, um, Mm -hmm. for, for females. Um, what was it that led you, first of all, to want to launch an app? So, okay, well, I'll preface it all by saying that right now the app is in pieces. We're renovating it and updating it, so don't download it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a month and a half from relaunching it, and we're relaunching because, you know, we've sort of spent the last three years learning and blah, blah, blah. It's in being cancelled, essentially, and so we're and we, we didn't get to have a launch because the trans activists took that away from us like we they discovered it so much so much earlier than what we were prepared for so we've sort of just we can now sort of we're taking control back and doing it on our terms it's very very exciting but so take it back to where it all began so I was a screenwriter in Hollywood for almost 10 years like I got there in 2009 and left in 2018 um and I, so for most of my time there, it was like the pre-Me Too era, um, post-Entourage era, basically, where just like every guy there just wanted to be them and have that, took it as a documentary. Um, and there's very few female screenwriters. Like there's some, and there's some that like broken through and made amazing, like write amazing films. Um but I, I just didn't have that experience. I had an all-male representation, which was probably the biggest mistake of my life um, because I wrote movies for women. Like, they were romantic comedies, and they were always these, like, strong yet flawed women, and usually by the end of the movie didn't realize they didn't need the guy, so hence none of them have been made because <laughs> there was always, like, this flip to the end of the movie, and, oh, damn, she's done it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, when I would be in rooms with executives, I was groped and had hands put down my pants. I had propositions all the time for horrible things. Um, and at the very early stages of it, I would tell my representation what was happening and they were like, eh, yeah, it's Hollywood. What are you going to do? And so I just stopped, I stopped telling anyone and I didn't tell my parents or anything because I knew that they would get on a plane and just dragged me back home kicking and screaming. And I had this thing that I was like, I just, I refused to let these people take my dream away from me. Was that what I wanted to do with my life? And I held on to that until in 2016, I think it was that I woke up and I just like staring at the ceiling. I was in, I was just a shell. I just couldn't, I was so depressed because I was just constantly saying this is wrong and I was being told it wasn't. And I just, I just had lost my voice. I'd lost every part of myself. And I was just like, I can't get myself out of this here. So I moved to New York um, so that I wasn't like, I felt like that way I wasn't giving up 
I was like just removing myself from the toxicity of Hollywood, but I was still where there was industry. I, I was still attached to it. I could still give it a shot, but I completely lost the ability to write. I was, I, I'd run out of money basically. I was like just living on nothing. And so I had to, when I was got to New York, I had to you know, find a room to rent and I went on all of the usual places and it was just, you know, there were so many guys like, oh, you can live here rent free if you walk around naked or do you want a boyfriend as well? And I was just like, can there be one fucking area of my life where there's not this bullshit to deal with? And so then in 2018, I came back to Australia. Initially, it was just for a holiday for three weeks. And then I was just so wrecked. I went into therapy, so I stayed a bit longer. And it was while I was in therapy, um, the therapist was saying, you need a strong female support network in your life. That's what that's one of the things that's missing. And my mom and I would talk about it at night. And it was my mom who said, like, why don't we create an app where women sort of can connect? And the initial um, part of it, it was just going to be a roommate app because I sort of told the story of, you know, how what had happened to me. And she was like, oh, that shouldn't have to happen. Let's just create a roommate app. And then when we were developing it, we were like, oh, if it's going to be for roommates, it should be for this and this and this. And so we just sort of opened it up to all different things. It was just you could sort of connect for any reason. Um, and I had no idea of all of the trans stuff that was going on. I somehow had stayed completely out of it, in part because of the absolute lefty bubble I was on Twitter. I didn't tweet at all, but I just read, you know, commentators, journalists, comedians, whatever, and so this issue just was not there. And yeah, then we launched in February. Well, we launched on the app store on Google Play and it was known to just like a handful of women just for testing. And then the trans activists found it and almost called the transfer and a turf and media joined in on it and sort of been treading water ever since. And basically that's it. Then, then a few years later, got taken to tried to attempt to take be taken to court, but that's another story. Yeah. Right. How did you um, attempt to confirm that users were female only? Okay, so it's really, really simple. And the trans activists treat me as if I invented this or something. I didn't. It's just like a it's called a like plugin that you that you pay for to have on an app. I didn't create this software in any way, shape or form. Um, so when you're onboarding with Giggle, you, you take a selfie and we use a program by um, Kairos that through AI determines, with, we've got it set to 94% accuracy, whether it's a man or a woman. It's just based on algorithms to be able to do that to men and women. Basically what the human eye does. You know what I mean? Like it's like a really basic thing. So you're saying um, that it's possible to differentiate between men and women. <laughs> Fairly this easily. Is, this is why I got in trouble. Yeah. And my thing was like, I remember when was like in the early days of developing Giggle, we were like, how would we even have something that was female only just for women? Because I knew that there'd be men that would try, that would invade it. Like you had to find a way to make it possible. Um, to me, the least controversial thing to do was just a picture of your face because that's just what we do on every day. Like when we're walking down the street, when we meet someone new, whatever, it, it it's instinctual. And when we found out that there was this technology that did it, and so we don't rely completely on technology. We actually have human beings monitoring it. Um, 
just as a backup because it's set to 94% accuracy that we did testing with that, which is what we were actually doing at the time when we were first discovered. Um, and it's just that we would rather have a man maybe slide accidentally get on than a woman deny. You know what I mean? So we that's the, we found that 94% was the sweet spot. And so we were like, it works how you would expect 94% accuracy to work. So men do get on, but we just remove them. And that's what happened in the situation that I was, that the human rights complaint was, that he had gotten on. And wow. I saw, when I saw the picture of him, I saw, I was like, oh, that's a guy. And I blocked him and he had a problem with that. Yeah. And his human rights. It's amazing to me that so many trans activists insist that you can't tell, <laughs> you know, that you can't tell who's a man and who's a woman very easily and that you would have to be a horrible bigot to be able to decipher um, between men and women. Um, often, you know, I've been told by, uh, you know, um, men who identify as, as trans women in particular, oh, you've been in the bathroom like your whole life with men and not known it. And it's like, you, you, you really think that women can't instinctively, you don't even have to think about it for the most part. Every once in a while, there's people who are kind of more ambiguous, but for the most part, you can tell right away what sex is. I would say 99.9% of the time you can tell. Yeah. I, I would, I mean, I would say a hundred percent, but just, you know, mistakes, you know, you, you can, maybe it takes you five seconds to realize instead of one. So I'll say 99.9%, but you can tell all the time because maybe at first glance you're like, Oh, is that a woman? But then you'll go, you'll see something else. And you're like, Oh no, that's, that's man. It's something either it's the neck or the hands I, because I see pictures of these people even legs the now. or how people walk, you know, there's, you know, men, men move differently. Their hips are different, et cetera, et cetera. When like in, in February, 2020, when the first ever, it's like, these, this, it was just this like swamp, thousands. And like they all, because they all got on, because security wasn't properly on in place with Giggle or anything yet. And they all made profiles saying kill turfs and rape turfs and everything. So they, and I just didn't know that this thing, this corner of Twitter, Reddit, the world existed. And so when I started researching it, I was just like flabbergasted by what I found. But then also the media that wrote about it, like The Verge, dot com whatever that is wrote an article some vox thing did and it was all like calling giggle dystopian and transphobic and like or people are unhappy because they're using they say that you can tell somebody's well, they would say gender by looking at them i'm like but you just you can tell what someone's sex by looking at them what the fuck is this gender that you talk about you know nonsense but i was just like you you just can it, so that's why, because I was just seeing like sort of these lies playing out, I was like, there has to be something more to this. And I went and um, I found the gender critical subreddit and then the trans sort of activism subreddits. And I just sort of was looking what's happening there. And everyone told me to go and educate myself. And so I did. And within minutes, I saw that the feminists were right. And to this day, everything they've said has been proven right. But there's not one thing that trans activists have said that has been proven correct. And I look for it constantly. I'm constantly being like, oh, am I a bigot? And I've, have I have I been you know, lured into a cult and I don't realize it? I ask myself this constantly. No, we're being lied to on a mass scale. Mm -hmm. 
And why would a man want to get onto an app that's for women only? That's a great question. Like, especially this, like this, the most public ones is like Roxy Tickle doing the human rights complaint and then filing a federal court. You know, you like a, a man, like a fifty-four-year-old guy wanting to use an app called Giggle. It make of it what you will. Um, I also I don't understand wanting trying so desperately to go to be part of a space that you're clearly not welcome in. That they don't that women don't want you there. Why would you put yourself in that situation? You know, it's just putting yourself in a situation to maybe feel bad about yourself because you're you're putting yourself in a place where you're not going to get validated. And if that's the most important thing, why would you want to be there? Um, but that was sort of in this particular case of um, in the human rights complaint, one of the uh, demands that Roxy Tickle had was that we would change the moderation on the app. And so we have Giggle Talk, which is like a female-only Twitter, Reddit-style public feed. He wanted us to change the moderation of it so that, you know, basically he wouldn't be offended by anything the women were saying. So censorship to please him. And so the fact that anyone thought that I would go along with this is madness. And that's why I said no to all of the demands. And that's what led him going to court. So this, tell me a bit more about what happened with this Roxy Tickle person. Who is he in any case? What do you know about this guy? Well, before this, nothing. I did not know who this person was. Um, but he's, my, my assessment is that he's sort of trying to be sort of that, um, that litigious trans activist that we've seen in other countries, in Canada and the UK. So he, that's what he's modeling himself off. Um, he's a amateur hockey player. He plays hockey. Well, I think he's retired from it, actually. Someone told me recently, but he was playing hockey on a, on a women's team with young girls. Um, but, yeah, so he basically he tried to get on to Giggle. He actually did. He, he got through. He was just one of that, you know, on that percentage side that, that slipped through. And it would have been me that saw the photo because it was in September 2021. So I would have been the one looking, like monitoring it um, when I've now seen like the timestamps and everything. And so I would have just seen this picture. I, I don't remember doing it because it was just another day, but I would have seen it and gone, oh, that's a man and blocked him as I do with all men. And they, they get blocked permanently that they can't access it ever again. Um, and then, so I didn't think anything of it. There was, oh, there was an email that was sent to Giggle from him saying like, I'm trying to get, use the app, blah, blah, blah. But we get those all the time. I, if I responded to every single one, that's how, what I would spend all my time doing. So we just ignored it. Um, and then the first time I actually had any knowledge of Roxy Tickle as a person was he actually tried to call my phone and text me and no other user on the planet has ever contacted me on my phone. And so why I knew that, why I knew it was him, I, this is where I sort of pieced it or started to piece it all together was I had this phone number, which meant I could go and look it up on Giggle. He was saying his name was Roxy. I could like sort of piece it all together basically and go, okay, this is, this is this person. And it's a guy. Um, and so I called my dad and I was like, you know, this guy's that trying to, this guy's contacted me, what should I do? And he said, block him immediately and don't tell your mother because she would get really, really scared. And I was scared because my, just from the Hollywood stuff that had happened, 
and you know now calling my phone and my thought was like what's next you turn up to my house like just it, it scared me and so I blocked him and everything didn't think much more of it and then in January of this year got contacted by the Australian Human Rights Commission that there was a human rights complaint against me on the basis of gender identity discrimination from Roxy Tickle so at this point I was like I know exactly who I'm who this is now um, and yeah, so when I read through it, it was basically that he wanted me to let him on the app and all men who claim to be women. Um, he wanted me to be put into, um, sex and gender education, which can only mean re-education, um, and to change how the app is moderated and to apologize, to issue an apology to all trans people. Um, and so I said no to all of it. We got a barrister and a lawyer straight away and I said, I'm not giving into any of this because it actually renders like the app useless. Like if you let men on it, cool. I've invented Twitter. I, it, it, it's nonsense. Um, and so, yeah, we through like barrister and lawyer said no to all of this. Um, and we had the chance of conciliation, which is basically just sit there, talk it out. And if I agree to what he's saying, and do all of that, then it doesn't go any further. But I was like, well, I'm never going to agree to it. So there's no point. I'm not going to sit in a room with this person. So I said no to it. So then they had 60 days from then to file in federal court. And they did it on the 60th day, the afternoon of the 60th day. Um, and yeah, filed gender identity discrimination in federal court. So we had to lawyer up and barrister up again. And we were sort of just in the early stages of doing that. It started to get some media attention here because it was so ludicrous. Because it, it's a you know who has this human right to use an app? Like, it's just nonsense. But we so we were going to respond to it basically to protect female spaces and in general in Australia completely. Because how the law is here, it's so muddled at the moment with this gender identity clause and the Sex Discrimination Act. We were just going to actually attack the law as well and really go after it. Our barrister was amazing what she had planned and just sort of cement women's rights here. And been sort of, it was like, thank you for bringing on this opportunity to do that. Um, and I think that that got a little bit that sort of that spread through. It was sort of quite vocal. We were quite vocal about it. And then the case was withdrawn. And so, yeah, I mean, that was sort of the end of it. They just withdrew it and we just continue on as normal and, the law is still muddled. How how successful has the app been? You know, did you hear from women who were really relieved that there was an app for women only? I mean, yeah. I feel like that is not something that has existed prior to now. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. No, I mean, there's been there's there's so there's some things that are out there like. Um, like, say, Mumsnet, for example, which is really, really cool, but men can access it, you know? Like, they can read it and stuff like that. What I wanted with Giggle was a place where, like, men couldn't even see what was going on because we act differently when there are no men around. We, we're, how we hold ourselves is different. I just wanted sort of that to exist in a digital space. Like, it just makes sense to me that we live more of our lives online. The evolution of female-only spaces is not to let fucking men onto them. The evolution of them is to put them in the digital space. And you know what? I, I recently, I, I, everything about this has just proven how much more 
necessary female spaces are. I, I never, I couldn't have, I never realized how important they were until all of this bullshit. Um, but I've just recently listened to um, Zuckerberg on the Rogan podcast, and he was talking about the metaverse and everything like that. And I was like, female-only spaces are going to become even more necessary if this is the way we're going, because in the virtual reality world, what, are men going to start to just be complete fucking gentlemen? No. It's going to be a nightmare of what happens there. So we're going to have to have female-only metaverses as well, just so that we're able to use them and our avatars are because I know that there has been some cases already of like avatar rape type scenarios, which just, we're not ready for this. So yeah, no, that has the app been as successful so far as we want it to be? No. Um, but you know, when you're t the only sort of mainstream thing that's out there about you is that you're transphobic and racist is the other one we get called. Um, and you sort of know, mainstream media will speak to you about it. No, um, Facebook banned our ads, Google banned our ads when we were doing ad testing for it. Like just every step of the way we have been blocked by trying to turn a startup into a business. Um, we wanted to do equity crowdfunding investment for our next investment round so that women could basically have ownership of the app. Um, and so then you sort of invested in its growth and blah, blah, blah. Um, and no equity crowdfunding company would work with us. They called the trans thing um, an open wound, which whatever that is. Um, so yeah, every step of the way has just been more difficult than what it is for an already difficult thing of launching a startup. But so that's so why this year we we sort of just got to the point where we we're like, okay, like. We've got to sort of, you know, it's been a few years. We've been like two and a half, three years of, of it being there anyway. And we've got to update things. You know, things are just getting, you know, just technology changes. Things are out of date. So we're like, okay, well, let's just take everything that we've learned and what we know women want with it and do that. We're sort of rebranding everything and relaunching it. So I sort of like treat the last few years as sort of like we've had this like MVP, like minimal viable product out there testing it in the marketplace, and now we're going to go and do really cool things with it and just get bigger and bigger. One of the things we're doing is we're taking it off the App Store and Google Play um, because we were basically told by someone very, very smart in this industry that while they'll ignore us right now, if we get any bigger, they'll remove it. And so it was just, they were saying, the advice we got was take complete, as much control of your company as you can in this era. So yeah, so it's going to be an app that you can download from our own website. Um, so yeah, Apple and Google will have no control over us. It's amazing that these, <clears throat> these companies who, you know, like to present themselves as super progressive and super supportive of marginalized oppressed communities they really care about you know women's rights lgbtq rights obviously racism and so on and so forth and they won't even allow an app for women that really in so many ways exists to to allow women to have autonomy and safety they won't even allow it to exist well Sometimes I do sit there and just go like the abuse that that I've gotten, not just from trolls. I, I don't sort of care about them that much. I care about like the people who, you know, like media people, the people who actually are spreading this narrative in a serious way. I, I care about them more um, and sort of the abuse that I've received from them. But then like something like OnlyFans, 
fine. You know, it's just, it's okay if it's, you know, girls waiting for their 18th birthday to go and create OnlyFans accounts. But heaven forbid a woman wants to connect just to talk to other women about, it doesn't even have to be about stuff that only pertains to women. She could just want to talk about the weather. Like one of them, for me, one of the most interesting times ever on Giggle Talk was um, the night that Russia invaded Ukraine. Obviously, that was what the conversation was. Everyone was doing posts about it. And I'd never seen online women talking politics and war in this way. And there was no men there, like, you know, jumping in like, well, actually. It was just, the, it, was, it just showed, like, sort of women's attitudes towards this sort of stuff. And we were just talking so freely about it. It was lovely. And we all learned quite a lot from each other. It was just, yeah, and that's exactly what it's sort of there for, you know? And so I just, there's there's no controversy about this. There's only controversy about having an app for women if you believe men are women and therefore should be able to access it. But if it's just an app for women, it's quite mundane, really. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like every single app or social media platform that, is for men and women really just turns into a big porn problem. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, is there a, por- has there been a porn problem on, on giggle? No, no. <laughs> there, um, well, the only time there is, is if, um, so say if like a man breaks through, so say if we're not like usually within a minute, we see them before they can actually even access anything and we remove them. Every now and then when we're under attack, so it happens about once every three months that we'll go, we'll get under attack. And it's just white teenage boys in America because they take the, they take the selfies. So we see who they are. Um, they don't have to, if they don't want to be seen, they don't have to take the selfie. Like, I'm not forcing them to do this. But when they, it's like um, some of the major trans activists on Twitter, when they send their followers after us, well, I get to see who their followers are. They're just dudes. Like, they, I wouldn't. They're not even people that you would say have a trans identity in any way. They're just guys in a T-shirt, um, usually with like a gaming headset on um, and in some sort of basement slash bedroom style environment. Um, yeah, so every now and then, like when we're having like a huge big swarm of them, so, you know, one or two might get through and have like a few extra minutes to make a profile. And the first thing they do is they either say, like, fuck turfs, or they put, like, some sort of porn on there, like a link to something or a gif of some description. I mean, we just remove it straight away. But it's just it just shows who is bringing that behavior. It's not women. And it's just not controversial to say that it should be okay for women to have a place away from that. Like, I argue that there kind of is male-only spaces on the Internet in terms of male-majority spaces, like 4chan. Like, I know there's crazy women on there, but, like, that is, for the most part, men. But we sort of get to see what happens in male-only online spaces. It's very different to what happens in female-only ones. It does seem like a lot of <clears throat> a lot of male-only spaces online also are the kinds of spaces that proliferate misogyny. Yeah, like, because I always say that I'm all for male-only spaces, and on paper and in theory, I am. Um, but I, I don't know if male-only spaces work in a positive way 
like how female-only spaces do? Well, perhaps not inherently. Like, I definitely support male-only spaces. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important that men have their own spaces to talk about yeah. their experiences as men and with masculinity yeah. and relationships and mm -hmm. sexuality or, and, and everything. Everything. Or even just, like, like how-to things. Like, sharing, like, you know, does someone know how to fix this in a car or something? Mm -hmm. Like... Anything, any reason that you would want a male-only space that's sort of a positive thing like that. But, yeah, are they sort of hotbeds for that sort of, um, yeah, for misogyny? Yeah. It seems like when, it, when, when we're talking about online, things do tend to get really toxic. But I think it's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't want to vilify men as inherently bad, but, but no. for some reason male-only male spaces online and co-ed spaces online – tend to get really <laughs> harsh for women that's why i say like something like 4chan which sort of is what i would liken to like it's a majority male only space from the looks of it and nothing sort of good is coming out of it um so yeah it's like is it i mean i would never say no to male only spaces i think if someone can crack how to create a really like a, a good one where it is men like connecting and helping each other i think that that would be really good. I think that's kind of maybe what the world needs is a place for men to like, you know, feel like men and be able to talk freely. Cool. Just, yeah, the misogyny side of it is worrying, but because it's a, it, like, say on Giggle, it's not like there's like all these women just sitting there hating on men. It's men are so rarely spoken about. Like, it's not like when, when they're all gone, they're out of the room. That's all we talk about. No, we've got to, like, fuckload of other things happening in our lives that we want to speak about mm -hmm. so and I'm curious to know a little bit more about your experiences in Hollywood um yeah just you know in terms of what you experienced around the sexual harassment and sexual assault do you think that there's something particular to Hollywood where that kind of thing happens more often or is more normalized or acceptable than in other areas? Yes, 100%. Because when you think about it, this image of Hollywood, what men are sort of, just the image of a successful man in Hollywood, sort of what he's promised, it's always you know, beautiful women around him, supermodels around him, sort of wealth and adoration. Think of what the image is for a successful woman. I'm not talking actresses and stuff here, but I'm talking like, you know, a successful studio head or a successful writer or director. They just, there's no image. It doesn't exist in the same way it does for men. You don't have, like, you take like sort of the most famous like female directors, like Sofia Coppola, Nancy Myers, um, even like Catherine Bigelow. The image of them is so different to the image of like really successful male ones who we know, like we, we see more of them, we know more about them, there's more fame. And yeah, they usually, there's this arm candy sort of thing. There's just this whole fantasy that's promised to them. And that's why I said like earlier, like when I was there in 2009, it very much, there was just all these young guys trying to turn entourage into a reality. Um, that was their blueprint for Hollywood. Um, so because of just of that, of what men are promised of sort of in the type of guy that you are attracting there. Yeah, it's, I, I think that it's worse than in other industries. Now the only two industries now I've ever worked in is basically 
Hollywood and then the entrepreneurial tech industry. I'm sort of just <laughs> out of the fry pan into the fire. But um, yeah, I also, so there was just a lot against me that I didn't realize at the time because I got to Hollywood when I was 24 I just, and I turned 25 not long after. And I sold my first major thing when I was 26 and then sort of just before I turned 27, it was like the first big feature, like screenplay. I was, you know, so, so this young like girl in her twenties. I was from Australia, so it was something like unique. There was there was just not a screenwriter, an Australian screenwriter in her twenties there. So I was like a fun toy. Um, and then the first script that I sold it was called Sex in the First Date, and it was a romantic comedy, but it was about the slut versus stud mentality of what like you know basically of shaming women of being sluts. Um, and which is a weird premise for a romantic comedy but it worked it was really cool um and it was just it was a really strong and empowered character but it was immediately thrust upon me that my brand was sex and I was always fighting against it I was like mm, no my brand is not sex at all it was that was like a theme in one thing I wrote but strong but flawed women is my thing and so when you are in Hollywood and you sell a script or even that you just write one and your agent's manager send it out you're sent on general meetings and there can be like, you know, you can have 50 to 100 of these damn things. And it's basically just meeting with producers, development execs, um, there's people who get movies made basically. Um, and it's just, you have to sit there and sort of, I used to call it the sales show. You've got to just sit there and sell yourself of why you should be someone they should make a movie with um, and why they sh you should write their next script or whatever. And most of the people you're meeting with are men. Um, and so it just so quickly descended into just madness. I don't know if, like, the, you know, why, like, there was just so many rooms that I was sent into that was so, the outcome of it was so disastrous that it just, yeah, I, I got scared to write because this is what I ended up finding out in therapy that I, um, I was basically in survival mode and my brain had just sort of stopped me from being able to write because write, like writing a script meant I'd go back into those rooms. But I had to write a script because I had to sell them to make money to live. And also I just, you know, had a goal. And so I just, it was just, it was just such a nightmare. And yeah, my voice just went. I was just like, what's the point of doing this? And then so, yeah, and that day in 2016, when I just woke up, I was like, I just, I just wanted to write movies that women would enjoy I shouldn't this isn't worth it basically and so when I got back to Australia in 2018 I was so angry that I'd had to give up this what I wanted to do with my life and I knew then that I would never go back and I've never ever now I'll never write for money ever again I still actually can't write more than more than an email I freeze up when I have to write anything um yeah but then it was through realize, like doing something like when we got the idea for Giggle and I realized it was doing something for women in a different way, all my anger went away. And I was like, okay, I actually prefer this. Every, I'm, everything in my life's led to this, so I'm happy about it. But, yeah, Hollywood's as bad as you think it is. Actually, when I was there, so from 2011, I think, my best friend at the time was Harvey Weinstein's longest-serving female assistant. So I was plugged into that world as well. And everybody knew he was – horrible man like she used to have to organize like 
hookers for him and whatnot. But the rape side of it was not something I didn't know about that. Yeah, I mean, it does. I think it's 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 notable and interesting that Me Too really began with Hollywood because I think that for as long as Hollywood has existed, most people, but particularly women and men working in Hollywood, know exactly what went down. But until then, it was just, I suppose, not talked about publicly or just normalized to the point where people just and women just assume this is just what I have to deal with in order to to operate. Totally. This was part of the inspiration for the app as well. So when, so in 2017, um, when the Harvey Weinstein story broke, um, a lot of women, like, so like execs, producers, um, other writers and I, like we started messaging each other and telling each other what had been happening to us. All not, none of us had ever spoken about it with each other before, not realizing that it was, it was happening to all of us. Um, You know, because you, you, it's this very isolating place and you're sort of made to feel it's only happening to you. There's something wrong with you. Like I went through a whole wave of stuff of like, Oh, maybe I'm just not talented. And to think that you, that what well, not being talented would allow people to sexually assault you. I mean, madness, but that's where your brain goes. Um, and so it was, that was part of when I was going like, hang on, we need to have a way to communicate with each other about this sort of stuff, because if maybe we'd had an environment where we could have, women for a long time before even I got there, they could have all spoken about it. Would it have gotten this that far, you know? I don't think so. I think that one of the most empowering things, or one of the most beneficial things you can do for women is give them a place where we can talk. Now, I think one of the things that I'm wondering, and perhaps many other women are wondering, is how do you start an app? Um, as I understand it, you didn't have any experience doing this kind of thing. And to me, that whole world is totally mysterious. So how did you actually go about doing this? Okay, so <laughs> um, so my mom and I decided that we would create an app, and I, was, I still remember the night. It was, I was sitting at mum and dad's place and we told my dad and he just gave us this look like, okay, and how are you going to go about that? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't code or anything. I, to this day, I don't know anything. I actually had a meeting yesterday about all app stuff and they were talking like in, in technical language to me. And I was like, please, like just draw me pictures. Um, basically what happened for us is mum and I sat there and we were talking about it and my dad who had not long sort of been retired or semi-retired um heard what we were saying and went like oh you you kind of have a cool idea there and he took it upon himself to research he's a big researcher like he's kind of nerdy drives me insane a lot of the time but he sort of reading about like what it would entail to to do instead of like creating a startup slash also then just creating an app and so he he and i would talk about it um in terms of, yeah, look, like, is it viable to actually do? And we've basically learned that we had to create a working demo to start off with, to have anyone take us seriously. And dad just so happens to have, yeah, he cared about this sort of stuff in the 90s. Like, he, he is nerdy. And so he, like, learned, like, some of the coding language and things like that. It just wasn't a foreign world to him, basically. And he also had a friend who sort of, 
it's called like being a backend developer and he's one of the biggest backend developers in Australia. Um, and so having that connection made it possible basically. And so I would draw the pictures of what I wanted it to look like. And like, I'm talking like stick figure style stuff. And then dad taught himself how to use um, a program called XD where he would create just the images, like the interface and blah, blah, blah. And we connected it all up and basically had a working demo. And from that, we were able to get, um, do an investment round to get money to get it built. It's not cheap to create an app. It's significantly cheaper to create a website. Apps are really expensive. That is starting to change, but this is like 2019. It was still really, really expensive. Um, but yeah, so we got app developers on board and like the chose who the coders would um, be and they went about doing that and that was like about like eight or nine months of them. So yeah, I, I've never, I haven't coded a thing. I, I To this day, I don't know anything. Like uh, people were getting frustrated with me yesterday because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but it's, my brain doesn't work in that way. I, I can sit and create what I want it to be and then the intricacies of how that is going to happen just in one ear and out the other when, when even when they're trying to teach me. I'm like, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. So yeah, the technical side of it, I've never like grasped, but yeah, it was, it was, it's hard. Like when I think of like the slog of the last few years, it's, there's nothing glamorous about it. It's been stressful. And just, as I said, like harder than what we ever anticipated it would be. I can imagine. Well, I, I can barely imagine, but <laughs> it seems like it seems very challenging. I'm really impressed that you took this on. I'm really glad that you did. I'm really, um, congratulations on, on winning your case. Uh, Thank you Thank so you. much yeah. for for talking with me. It's been it's been great Thank to you. connect. Thank you so much for having me. And I just will say, so we're about to just like re, when we relaunch it, we're going to have a website component as well. So it will be app plus website. And it's, the launch is going to be just two parts of it. It's going to be like the female only Twitter Reddit style feed, and then um, a strictly female only lesbian dating app because it's very much needed. So we're just doing the finishing touches on the design of that right now. And yeah, it looks really, really cool. And I just want there to be a place where all women can go to, but in this particular context, especially lesbian women, where they don't have to see men. Awesome. That's really exciting. So where can people go to find out more about the app and to download it once it's ready? Yeah. Okay. So go to my Twitter because that's where I will be because sort of it will be on its own website. And so I'll be releasing all of that, but yeah, the, this is just the links you sort of have to go to. So yeah, I just don't have any of those like concrete things right now. Okay. And you are on Twitter at, at Sal tweets or S A L L tweets. And yeah, come and try to see. It's so weird. People even listen to what I have to say, but yeah, about, women's rights in space in female only spaces. It's pretty, it's exclusively what I talk about on there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you again. It was great to talk to you and I, I hope that we'll stay in touch. Yes, definitely. Great. Take care. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to feminist current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com. Tweet at us at feminist current 
or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. We have been ad-free, sponsorship-free, wealthy investor-free, and fully independent since 2012. If you enjoyed this podcast and if you value independent women's media by women, for women, no compromises, please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.